Syracuse takes down West Virginia 75-72 to move on to the Sweet 16. Gil, ecstasy is the only feeling I can think of right now. A special thing we saw a couple of hours ago, Matt. A very, very special thing. A team coming together at the end of the season like we haven't seen before. And it's just a magical meshing that is going on with the Orange right now. You know, the defense looked incredible to start the game. Mountaineers couldn't find a pass, throwing the ball out of bounds. 11 turnovers in the first half. But then, you know, it it started to slow down. Sean McNeil, every time he had the ball in his hands, I shuddered. I really thought that it was he was going to drain it every time. What changed, in, in your opinion, down in the second half for the defense? I don't know. I mean, to, to be completely honest, I think that West Virginia did pretty much figure out what to do against the 2-3 zone. And they they put up 72 points here. And as you said, Sean McNeil was getting open looks. He had 23 points. I would say without Culver, Derek Culver, I don't know where he was. I don't know why he wasn't playing, but he was MIA in the second half, literally. Literally, he wasn't on the court, and I don't know where he was. Um, So, like, you know, very much MIA. With, with that in mind, I think West Virginia was doing what it could. And I think thought playing pretty good offense. It was the Syracuse offense that really just kind of exploded there when it when it needed to. And it, it stalled for a while midway through the second half. But then it's like a 14 to four run off my memory that the Orange had in like the final. Um, well, before West Virginia started coming back. So I would say like the six-minute mark to, like, the two-minute mark. Yeah, you talk about Culver, two for seven, or, excuse me, two for nine for seven points. He really was non-existent for the Mountaineers, and a big threat coming in that we both talked about. If he was going to take over this ballgame, SU was going to lose. If he didn't, they were going to win, and that's exactly what happened. Marek drew two charges on him. I think that scared him a little bit, and then both the SU bigs get into foul trouble. Marek gets in his four fouls early, just five minutes into the second half. Jesse comes in. He gets four fouls right there, and then they stuck with Marek. Do you think that if Marek wasn't in the game down the stretch, it's a different outcome? Yeah, well, I agree with the decision Jim Beheim made. With about 11 minutes to go, Jesse picked up his fourth foul. And then it was, okay, both our guys have four. You know, which one's going in? And Dolajai was just objectively, I think, the right choice He's the better there. player. Yeah, and without Culver on the floor especially uh, because – Look, they weren't doing a great job of attacking Dolajai with four fouls anyway, but he's such a smart player, and he's just so good at not picking up um, that fifth. And we've seen him play with four fouls before. Against North Carolina, he went in with a little bit over six minutes to play in the game with four fouls, and the Tar Heels couldn't knock him out of the game, and neither could the Mountaineers here. And when Bayheim talks about the bigs in his press conferences, he loves to go to two things. First, he loves Marek Dolajai more than any player I think he's ever loved. Uh, and that includes Buddy Bayheim, his own son. So there's a big controversy there. But, I mean, he loves to talk about how great Marek is. He's a, he's a great passer. He's a great scorer. He can handle the ball. He's so smart. He makes the right reads. He sees the game differently is what Coach Bayheim calls it. And when he talks about Edwards, he says he's just not ready to play at this level. And I don't think he's entirely incorrect he was getting thrown around down low by Culver and when he tried to you know stand his ground and turn into a foul he got four really really quickly I think that you know he talks about how Jesse's going to be very good in the future he's got all this potential but Marek has got to be their guy obviously going forward but 
Jesse's got to put in good minutes, too, if they're going to win big games like this one in the Sweet 16 against number two Houston. Well, yeah, I, I think that's certainly I thought Jesse would play a bigger role and it wasn't his best night. He's he's currently like a freshman year Quincy Garrier or like a last year version of like Brahma Sidibe. Like the, the the fouls are a big problem. His foul rate is kind of through the roof. So, you know, I think it's the kind of thing you, you throw him in, he's going to battle on the glass, hopefully catch the ball and he's going to pick up a lot of fouls. But yeah, Houston's a team. They're really big. They're they're really physical. Um, they they had an amazing comeback against Rut- Rutgers, but they don't have that much height. They they're more of like a strength and power team, less so a, a height and length team. But you know, let's really kind of keying in uh, on this game here. Um, I, I was amazed again by Buddy Beheim. Yeah. He did uh, it again. So three points in the first half. Everyone asking what's going on here. The rest of the team kind of has to pick up the slack on the offensive end. And credit to them, guys like Joe Girard, Robert Braswell, Quincy Garrier getting the job done in the first half. And then Buddy comes back in the second half, makes some shots that SU really, really needed to stay in the driver's seat in this one. And he he was Buddy Bayheim again, 22 points in the second half. There were a couple instances where you know, Syracuse was in a bit of a drought. They hand the ball to Beheim, He hits a couple threes. They, a couple moments pass by, hand the ball to Beheim, hits a couple threes, and that's how they kept the lead. Well, this was probably one of the more impressive Buddy Beheim performances I've seen, and that might come as like a surprising statement because this was not a great shooting night for Buddy, and he finishes 6 of 13 from 3, which is good, don't get me wrong, but... I would say he got more open looks than he normally gets. And that's credit to the fact that I, I think, okay, West Virginia came out in the first half and it was just shut down, buddy, shut down, buddy, shut down, buddy. Like that was the entire focus of their defense and it worked, but the lane was wide open for everyone else. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't his best night, and I think he alluded to that in the press conference. He, he talked about that, you know, after the first half, Coach McNamara went up to him and said, keep shooting that. You need yeah. to keep shooting. I don't care if you miss 200 times. you got to keep shooting. He also mentioned that Coach McNamara, to keep him confident and keep him shooting, he says, you're the best shooter on the planet, on the right. planet Earth, which is not true. But if Buddy Beheim needs to think that's true in order to play like this, I think we're all okay with it. Yeah, and after that tough first half where – West Virginia was just on him like white on rice in the second half. He, he got more space. And again, like I think that what was so impressive is he was kind of an ISO player when he needed to be in this game. That is just not really anything I've seen from buddy Bayheim up his until MO. this point. Yeah. But uh, he, you could give him the ball and not only could he score, but he could make a play. Yeah, there were a couple times where he dribbled to the basket, and, and that's kind of been the big storyline recently is that he's not a spot-up shooter. The guy can slash, and, yeah. and that's what we saw today. When when Syracuse needed a bucket and maybe he wasn't feeling the three as much, he put it on the ground and he got to the basket. He only had one assist, but I, I feel like there were a couple that he could have had. He found you know Braswell wide open in the corner um, on one occasion. He had a lot there of was passes, two assists. Yeah, and I also think he... he found some open players who just missed but I was impressed with with Buddy's playmaking and he stuck with it he kept taking his shots and by the end there he got a little hot and 
put Syracuse on a run that was ultimately exactly what it needed. I want to mention the play of Joe Girard for a second. All season long, everybody's been talking about how Joe Girard has had the sophomore slump, has not had the season everybody expected him to have. After having a really solid freshman year where he averaged about 12.5 points a game, so Joe's not having the good season. He comes into the NCAA tournament, and he absolutely turns it on when Syracuse needs him most. I mean, he doesn't have the greatest stat lines. He was 3 for 10 in Friday's game tonight. I'm not sure of his stats. 4 of 8 with uh, 12 points. But what re- kind of jumps off the the stat sheet is 6 rebounds, 7 assists. Yeah, he, he stuffed the stat sheet. And I yeah. don't think people realize that, that he was a key player in today's game. And don't forget, he was pulling up from the parking lot. Just the logo and just draining threes when Syracuse really needed them. Yeah, Joe is playing more inspired than he has all year. We've, I think it's the fans. Yeah, I think it's got to be. We've we've talked about that. I think the fans are a factor. I also think that I, I just don't think he's been in great shape this year. You know, he's never been someone who's amazing at getting to the basket, but oh my God, he just couldn't at certain points in this season. Like he couldn't drive by anyone. He couldn't attack a closeout. You know, he would always basically, even if he had a step, he would lose that step by the time he got to the elbow. And I just think he has more jump now, and he's actually able to just penetrate a little bit better. Uh, I, I think it's kind of the fitness, and we saw how Buddy has just gotten better and better after the COVID pause. I think that Joe came in heavy, um, put on muscle, and then he, you know, basically had these quarantines and I, I thought it, I think it might have been a really tough combination on his body. He, he just looks more athletic to me now. And, you know, defense was a big point of contention when talking about Gerard's season. I still don't think he's a very good defender. I still think he's a liability in the zone, but I think he's starting to make up for it with his play on the offensive end. I mean, you know, he plays the zone fine, but he's 5'8", so he really can't guard anybody one-on-one. Um, but he may, he's been making up for it on the offensive end because without that, he's terrible. He's playing 25 empty minutes without it. So I think, uh, you know, Gerard has been a huge part for this team. And we saw less Kadari today, which I thought. But when Kadari did play, he had that huge dunk. He had that mid-range shot that was gigantic for the team. And he had the biggest play of the game where he broke the press and got the ball to Buddy for free throws. He played at the end, though. Yeah, yeah, he did. That's, that's the, this he didn't was play a, through the entire game, and then he played right at the end. Right. I mean, this this was a strange Gerard-Richmond game because normally, n- normally Bayheim basically figure out, figures out who is more confident on a given night mm-hmm. and then just kind of rolls with, with that option. But this time it was kind of Gerard the whole time and then, okay, Richmond in crunch time. I think he affected the game again. The, the, the perimeter defense Absolutely, was better yeah. and, and the press break was better. And that mid-range jumper was massive. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention that as well. I mean, I love seeing him take that shot. I, I thought he was going to miss, and he just drilled it. And it was huge for the team's momentum on the offense. But I think we should mention Alan Griffin as well. Alan Griffin, zero points through the last ACC tournament game and the first NCAA tournament game. He hits a three tonight, but that's it for him. Coach Beheim in the press conference said... It's not because of his offense that he doesn't play that much. It's because of his defense. He doesn't defensively rebound very well, and he's just kind of a liability on defense. And I entirely agree with him. He's not very tall. He's not very long. He's very athletic. I think he's probably the most athletic player on the team, but he just can't do much on the defensive end. And if he can, he's not. The other problem is that Robert Braswell... is too good. Yeah. He's too good to sit. Yeah. Well, uh, 
He's better. You know, I don't I, I don't know if I would, would put the too good to sit label on well, him. Compared to Griffin. Well, I just think he's clearly right now the better option to mm-hmm. have out there. Absolutely. Like it it's so it's just clear as day. So the problem, I mean, you have enough offense without Alan Griffin. You know, that's clear right now. You don't need him. So the the difference that Braswell makes on the defensive end compared to Griffin is so is so substantial that how could you justify playing Alan Griffin? The only way you could justify it is if he's being a microwave like he was in the first half against Georgia Tech uh, a couple of games back in the regular season when he scored 20 points in the first half. If Alan Griffin isn't doing that, then Braswell's a better player. Yeah, I mean, and Braswell is the better player just physically. He's longer, he's taller, he can move. Uh, not better than Griffin, but he can move as, as well yeah. as you need him to. So, I mean, he's been huge for this team. He had that, I mean, the ball movement, there was one play where the ball movement was just impeccable. I think it went from Buddy to Braswell in the corner, and then he found Quincy, or maybe it was Quincy to Braswell. I thought it was Braswell it in the corner. Yeah, Braswell made the shot. Yeah. Um, but there was some great ball movement tonight, and you love to see that for this offense because at times they stall, and if they can't find a player to, to have shoot, they don't score, and that's why we see droughts from this team. But I felt like they kind of stayed away from that tonight. I've never seen the offense so good. The, the offense looked so good in this game that I'm a little bit suspicious of West Virginia because, I, in all honesty, the Mountaineers came into this game, per, uh, according to Synergy, giving up the fourth most open jump shots in the country percentage-wise. And you did kind of see that. But, hey, Syracuse takes advantage of that. And, you know, the Orange are are a very good shooting team that, you know, they're going to punish you if your perimeter defense isn't on point. That's what we saw tonight. Yeah, and and Beheim talks so much about how good of a team they are. West Virginia, he talked about that after the San Diego State game. And the big quote that stuck with me in tonight's press conference was, he said, it's not easy to win in this tournament. It's not easy to make the Sweet 16. Look at the teams that are out. He's talking about, obviously, Ohio State, Illinois. Both got knocked out recently. This is an easy easy tournament to win games in. you got to respect the Orange after this dub. 100%. You know, the 2-3 the zone is is voodoo. It's it's legit. Um, but you got to give... You got to give the players credit and you got to give the coaches credit equally for getting better this season. Absolutely. Because there have been a couple of years in recent memory where the team has not gotten better. It's gotten worse um, towards the end of the season or or it's just stagnated. But, you know, the, the contributions and the development of the movement on offense, you know, the, the gelling that we're seeing, talking about the ball movement and... Richmond and Edwards and Braswell and Buddy and Joe getting in better shape and just their conditioning blooming. You know, it's all just coming together at the right time. And it's so key in March to just be hot, just be hot at the right time. And right now Syracuse is, it's a great thing. And, you know, man, they are rolling. Well, the Orange take on the Houston Cougars next weekend in the Sweet 16. Gil and I will have you covered previewing that game at some point this week. For Gil Gross, I'm Matt Bonaparte. It's Fizz in Indy.